0: announcement the hemp revolution will not be televised i repeat the hemp revolution will not be televised welcome to the hemp revolution podcast
1: Welcome back to the Hemp Revolution, where you're going to find out all the buzz in the cannabis. My name is James Brinkerhoff, Jr. I'm going to be your host today. And today I have got a really cool guest from the East Coast. His name is Brad Dollins. He's a CEO and founder of Magoo Farms. Prior to farming, Brad managed and consulted for Source Pharmaceutical Production Facilities. He grew up in the mountains of Western North Carolina and enjoys the many activities the area has to offer. What a beautiful part of the country. And thank you very much, Brad. It's nice to meet you. Nice to have you on the show.
2: Thanks for having me here. It's nice to meet you as well.
1: Yeah, you bet. So Brad, tell us a little bit about your journey here that brought you to the hemp industry.
2: Well, it's, it's been sort of a long-going journey for me. I've always had a, a bit of a passion for cannabis in general. You know, it started back when I was a teenager. And um, by the time I got to college, you know, I was writing research papers on it and such like that. And it was a field that I always wanted to work in. And I had a few opportunities that came along the line for me to move out West to to be able to work in the field, but they weren't high enough paying to start to justify the move across the country. So I, you know, hadn't really jumped into it yet. And after leaving uh, the industry I was in, which was, um, you know, pharmaceuticals, you know, I I consulted for a few years and decided I wanted to start a business of my own, trying to figure out which one I wanted to, you know, to open because I have several that I want to do and got really close to doing one of them, like to the point where we were looking at real estate, et cetera, et cetera. Uh, decided to back out last minute that it wasn't going to be viable for the area anymore from a, you know, a, just a business standpoint. And last minute decided to start a farm, you know, doing microgreens. Microgreens are pretty unique little, you know, niche industry. I like the fact that they're very healthy for people. You know, uh, some of them can be up to 40 times more, uh, nutritional value than their, you know, adult counterpart. So it's, you know, getting into that really is, it's, it's got a feeling that's just different from other things when you know that you're doing something that's, that's helping others, even if it's only on nutritional value, you know, such as food. From there, that allowed me to be able to get into my, you know, my hemp growing license and farming it and such like that. And, you know, I got my processing uh, license actually before I even got my farming license. So I started processing it. I invented my, my method of processing, which is pretty unique. No one does what I do at the moment because I invented a machine that's part of my process. So oh, wow. it's yeah, it's, well, it's pretty a, unique.
1: Tell us a little um, bit about that. So, so, let's, so wait, let's recap real quick. You wanted to get into the industry. You can, your background is from pharma, right? Your background yeah. is
2: from? Pharma. Yeah. I used to pharma. manage source pharmaceutical plasma donation centers. Okay. So, you know, it's uh, plasma donations are, are really niche industry as well. There's only a, you know, a handful of companies, they get a really bad rap, unfortunately, when they really shouldn't, you know, and it's because oftentimes a lot of people who do go to donate plasma are people who need money. So, you know, you don't get necessarily, you know, like every not everyone who goes there is like, comes off as like being very presentable. Yeah. And oftentimes they, you know, they can have some issues if they're in a problematic area. And they get a bad rap, but they shouldn't because, you know, as with anything, it's, it's a fairly good mix of, of crowd in terms of the donation population and stuff like that. And for the most part, they really don't have the type of problems. It's just that that's what people speak about, but everyone gets plasma donation products. Most people don't realize that they're plasma donation products. So like albuterol inhalers is a plasma donation product. And then there's a lot of, you know, life-saving therapeutics made, IVIG, immunoglobulins, and, you know, Factor 8, you know, there's a, just a whole bunch of wide array of medicines that are made from plasma donations. So it's, it's a very needed industry in the first place. So, I, you know, I'd, it'd be nice to see plasma donation centers not have such a bad rap. But when you're paying people for money, you know, money for their donation, and you get people who come in specifically for the money, when you get people who come in specifically for the money, then you get people who are not necessarily caring about the end product and what they're doing on that end with it just like the cannabis industry yeah (laughs) so you
1: you were in so you were in I mean that's it sounds like you're really smart dude and you were really already kind of in that space of wanting to help people and then kind of like the tech the cutting edge technology in the plasma space yeah that kind of pulled you towards wanting to be in the cannabis industry or was what what was what kind of pulled you from the space that you sounds like it was a pretty good career you had going
2: well, I, yes, it, it was a pretty good career, but it was also, you know, a, a bit of a stressful one for me. You know, okay. uh, I was, I managed 60 people at a, a fairly big, you know, donation center. And the next step for me was to go to, and, you know, like an ADOQ type of position, a regional, you know, manager of operations and quality. To do that, you have to travel a lot. You know, you'll spend up to three weeks of the month traveling and I've got a senior dog and my dog is my world. Like, you know, he's the best thing for me. So that just was not going to be a viable option. So I didn't want to be stagnant in a, you know, just as a center manager, you know, I'm not one for being stagnant with anything. I never have been and I never will be. Complacency is a, is a death sentence in my opinion. So I decided to, to leave it and started consulting for the industry and, you know, doing some things on the side, this, that, you know, odd things. I, I like being a bit unique. So like, you know, creating things is, is where my, my big passion is like ultimately in the, in the process of creation. So, you know, I wanted to do something that's just kind of different, kind of new. And so, you know, as I had a few years of, you know, downtime, so to speak, while I was doing consulting, I wasn't doing, you know, crazy hours of working and such like that. So I started tinkering and building things. I've always been one to do such. And, you know, in that, that time frame, I actually developed you know, like my process
1: yeah, kind of a mad scientist. It. it sounds like
2: a little bit like here's one of my things. Like, uh-huh. That's a oh. Tesla coil. Oh, wow. Uh, it's a pretty big one. I can't even run it here. I tried to run it here. I need a much bigger, uh, circuit breaker <laughs> than, than what I have at a house. I can't, I, it literally, it broke my, uh, I have a variable, uh, transformer. It's called a variac. It's not that big of one. It's 20 amp variac, but it popped it, popped everything. I put it on <laughs> so,
1: It's pretty big. It'll throw
2: about 2 million volt streamers. Oh, my
1: gosh. So so is that how you're uh, energizing your CBD
2: products? (laughs) Not quite with a Tesla coil, but, you know, it is through. uh, And the invention does involve uh, electricity, actually. Oh, wow.
1: So, okay, so you needed more time freedom and location freedom for your dog, your family, and stuff, for the things that you wanted to do. Yeah. You wanted to be in the cannabis industry, so you had a few job options on the West Coast. And that didn't quite work out?
2: Yeah, it just, it, it wasn't enough. You know, like there is a, I got offered to be a, you know, like a shatter hasher for a particular company out in uh, Denver. You know, it's pretty, pretty well-known company, but the starting pay was like 36K. It's, it, what am I going to do with that? You know, like that's, in Denver, that's just scraping by 36K. Yeah, no, you are. Uh, and I'm not trying to scrape by like that's, you know, I you know, I understand that, you know, you need to get your foot, you know, in the door, so to speak. And, you know, from there, you can make it whatever you want to make it. And I weighed it out quite heavily, but the difference was, was quite vast between here and there, you know, I was making huh. a fair bit more and cost of living was, was a fair bit less. So just, it wasn't viable. She so, decided to get into the greens business. Yeah, I got into into microgreens.
1: How much did it cost to get into that? Did
2: you have to buy a farm? No, no. I didn't have to buy a farm. Microgreens is a, is a really good thing for people if they want to do something that's really low-cost startup. Yeah. It depends on your area in terms of your you know local municipalities and what their rules and regulations are of farming. But for urban farming, there really isn't a rule per se. Like You could do it theoretically in your house, oftentimes people do with microgreens. You know, we had a small space that we were working with, but it, you know, it was a nice little, you know, dedicated space and it doesn't take much room. They grow very quickly, depending on the species of what you're growing. You know, there's a whole bunch of different ones that exist.
1: So did you make money with that? Was that a money making?
2: Yeah. Yeah, it, it, it makes money. The thing about microgreens that people need to factor in if they want to get into it is that you need to have a customer essentially before you grow them. Because yeah. from the time you go to, to actually cut them to to using them, you have a shelf life of some as few as three days. Some, you know, might be five or six if you're lucky. They have a, a fairly quick shelf life. You know, it's not much bigger than a sprout, so to speak. Sprouts and, and, and such, there's a, a lot of rules and regulations associated with sprouts. But if you want to grow sprouts because of, you know, the disease potential with uh, pathogens and stuff like that, moist environment. So, like, there's a lot more regulation with it. There's not that with microgreens, but they have a very shelf, short shelf life. So, you know, oftentimes you'll see people that don't cut them anymore when they're growing them in the cell. Yeah. They'll sell it like the growing substrate, uh, whatever it is, you just hear, buy it. You know, yeah, here's the trick. Yeah. Pretty much. But if you have customers beforehand, you, you'll do well. If you overgrow and don't have the customer base for it, you might not, you, you might flunk. You know, they're expensive. You anticipate a certain price back, you know, on your return for what you're investing into it. And it's another niche thing. You know, you don't really, you, if you go in a grocery store and look for microgreens, you might see one or two in a small section, probably around the herbs. And that'll be about all you see in a grocery store. So yeah. Yeah, they really still haven't really picked off yet for yeah. uh, for what they should. And it's, it's, we've put it on a back burner for us, but we are going back to it.
1: so tell me about that transition and kind of what was what kind of led you to the
2: hemp and the transition came with the approach of the farm bill looking like it was going to be passed Mm. prior to that because I I do have a a co-owner partner in the business and prior to that he was he didn't really see it being something that he wanted to risk without the farm bill passing you know he's a, a fairly astute you know businessman and You know, he doesn't want to do anything that's going to potentially harm or tarnish the other things that he's associated with. And I don't blame him. Sure. So upon it, looking like it was going to pass, you know, we went ahead and decided to pull the trigger on it. It passed. And it's been sort of, the doors have been wide open since. Uh, It's been very exciting. And the name of the company is Magoo? Magoo. Magoo. Yeah. And there's uh, quite a different... There's many different variations of how it's pronounced and spelled. Magu is an ancient Asian deity across many of the Asian cultures. So, Oh, okay. That's uh, what it stands for. Yeah, there's uh, China, J- Japan, Korea, I believe Thailand or, or Taiwan. At least those four, but many of the other ones have it as well. And the One spelling might be like M-A-K-O, M-A-K-U, M-A-G-U, M-A-G-O. But the, the deity itself has like a really cool story. Supposedly um, there was a, a peach story. Someone gave her a peach, she then re-gifted it to a needy lady, a needy lady ate it, she went back to check on her, you know, because she was sick or something. And all she found was the peach pit and then she planted that, it grew, peaches were sort of magical and had healing power, you know, oh cool powers and properties. Yeah. Um, give those to the the needy and the the sick and such. So I really like the aspect of the goodwill of of her character and the stories and stuff that are associated with her. And she was known to have a healing cannabis elixir, and she's known as a a hemp deity in general. And our symbol is actually a symbol that's associated with Maggie. It's an old, old one that just represents hemp drying in a shack.
1: Well, that's cool, man. Yeah. I love the stories. You know, a lot of, there's so many brands popping up and yeah, it's really cool when, you know, you talk to somebody and there's like a real deep connection with the story behind it and it has a real meaning. And to me, I think those are the businesses that people can really connect with and, that, you know, and kind of connect with that story and be like, Oh, those guys are really about something. So that's really neat, man. You know, so many of our viewers are, they're living in States where medical cannabis isn't accessible to them. And because of that, they're really passionate about seeing it legalized or at least made available for medical access. So what was it like for you in the beginning, like kind of around that time where it was still a little bit sketchy or whatever? I mean, it's you, still do you, semi-sketchy. Do you use it? Do you use the CBD? and? Oh yeah. Yeah. Oh Yeah.
2: Yeah. I, I have, you know, some things that I like to have, you know, sorted out better with, with my own personality and such that it, it does help a fair bit with, I have uh, you know, ADHD, fairly, bad for an adult you know i'm a wiry person you know constantly go 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 you know i have a hard time sitting still and i talk incredibly fast and i have to think to slow that down yeah uh, so you know cbd products do help me with that they help me sleep at night oftentimes it's hard for me to sleep just in general uh you know the brain's kind of hard to shut off so i do take it in 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 the nighttime to, to help me actually fall asleep and it helps me tremendously with that and you know if I if I ever do have a down moment in terms of, you know, having depressive thoughts or something, it can help snap that back out quick. So for me, you know, if I do have a depressive, you know, string of thoughts, you know, because, you know, maybe it's just a bad day, something happened, whatever, you know, you know, the ebb and flow of life, I don't like having negativity around me or on me, so to speak. So, you know, if I have some depressive thoughts that seem to be more than just a blip, then I'll just go ahead and. Go to my uh, my little CBD oil bottle. I, I like the, the oil that I make. Hit a dropper of that, and five ten minutes later, I'm back to my groove. You know, on about business. That's awesome. Um, and it, yeah, it's and that's that's a real benefit to a person who's in business or is busy and has to focus on work and doesn't have time to really dwell on things. And people shouldn't anyway. You know, dwelling on, on negativity is is only going to do worse. So anything that can help, you know, snap people out of that you know people would find beneficial i mind you like this is what i use it for personally you know i obviously as a company we can't make medical claims which I, I really hope that that changes someday we're gonna aim to set ourselves up in a way that maybe we can someday make medical claims but you know laws will have to change trials and stuff do that as a company well it's really yeah. cool
1: to hear your here like you know, how the hemp is helping you like in your everyday life. And I think it's huge for just, I mean, that's pretty much what I do. And if you don't know anything about my dog, my yeah, dog. yeah, yeah. I, heard, I heard it's great for animals. And I know my dad's dog, when it was getting towards the end of his life, he gave him a lot of THC because he had sore hips and kind of like arthritis yeah. or whatever. And that dog lived like another year and a half and felt a lot better. So that changed. And my dad was really conservative. So that changed his whole mind on the plant but just the education that's all pretty much what we're all about over here is getting this education out and we do that through telling stories like yours and a lot through video and articles but continuing to show people that like this is helping us focus and concentrate and stay positive and stay in balance it's not like taking us away or making us stare at the ceiling or or you know all that kind of stuff you know and there's very opposite. And I tell people, like, I have a seven-figure business, and I'm, I use cannabis products every day, and, yeah. I'm so, and I'm so focused, and I get so much production done for some, and I have a small business, like very few employees, and, and so, you know, they're like, yeah, you're crazy, James, but I, I continue to bring these stories out, and there's very high-level people that are using this stuff, and it helps them, you know?
2: Well, cannabis in general has always had a very negative connotation to it from a public standpoint. At least since the you know 30s or so, and what's funny is hemp is actually what really caused marijuana to become illegal in the first place. It really wasn't marijuana; it was hemp crushing the paper industry. Right. So they wanted to associate it with something that people would see as bad. So they named it marijuana because of the, that was the Mexican word for it. So they wanted to associate it as with the negative connotation of uh, Hispanic people at the time. Like, there's a, a big whole whole side side note with that. I'll I'll get off the soapbox before I step up on. It. But, you know, it's personally, I started using it when I was very young. And for people that say that it inhibits you, I would argue, okay, I, as a teenager, you know, I used it daily from the time I started pretty much when I was only 12 throughout my entire teenage years. But yet I started college full time at 16. It really doesn't inhibit you the way that People think it does. If people want to be lazy, they're going to be lazy regardless. You know, you can't blame the substance for making them lazy. That's completely a person's own will and or lack thereof.
1: Right. So let let me ask you another question. What, what keeps you in the industry when people are, you know, a lot of people are, are flooding in. I know there's people are dropping out every day. You know, what's, what's your mission in your work? Why do you do
2: what you do, you know, the higher purpose of all this? For us, the higher purpose is actually quite far-reaching. I feel like we're still at our, in a baby stage for us. Like we, you know, we're a young company in the first place. We're still within our first year, but we're growing rapidly for that matter. And we're doing things pretty differently. And we're going to continue to do things differently. So we are in the process of also expanding. And that expansion is far-reaching. It's not just hemp. You know, we're expanding research because we, we re, we're currently doing research as we're growing. So our own grow is, personally, like, all indoor. Like, if we do grow outdoor, it'll only be, in terms of, for us, you know, for research purposes, textiles, something like that. Or, you know, we'll, if other people want it, you know, we'll sell it to other people, but it's not going to be used in our own human consumption products. For that, we only, you know, use indoor. I only use trim flower for our products, I don't use biomass, you know, we're solventless, you know, I'm um, yeah. And I, I could charge a lot more considering that, you know, it's a lot okay. more costly for, for me initially on, on the, the starting product. hand flour versus, you know, biomass are two completely different prices when you're talking about like there's a big difference.
1: Oh yeah. Now, my buddy's got 3 million pounds ready to go in the field. And you know we're talking twenty bucks a pound or something. You know it's like,
2: yeah, and that's as biomass, though, I assume, right? Yeah. Like whether to fill it all up, yeah. And when you're talking like the last purchase of flour I did, you know, is over four hundred dollars pound. Yeah. And that was like you know I a good deal for that matter. You know I was kind of happy with that price. And now what we're going to be doing is it's it's been tough for us to find the type of quality that I want to work with. I'm super finicky about quality always have been i don't like things to to be subpar i'm kind of i don't know my thought process just in general with life is that regardless of who you are or what you're doing it can always be done better even if it's so minute that it might be immeasurable so to speak but it can always be done better hmm. and i like to keep that thought process especially in business so with quality that's something that really stands out and makes you know a difference so We're growing, right now I have quite a few plants, I don't know, around a thousand plants growing indoor. And this is our first grow. It's our bit of a research facility at the moment. We're testing several, several, several different flights to see what are going to be best for us and our purposes. And it's exciting to see what's going to happen. So as we go to expand, though, we're going to be introducing some newer techniques that really aren't being utilized yet. And we're also going to be reaching out into different research areas that are not really being done yet either.
1: Oh, that sounds, sounds pretty exciting. What drives this research? Like, what is, what, what is bothering you that you need to figure out?
2: Oh, I, man, everything. So, I originally went to, to school for medicine, I was biology pre med for, and I wanted to be a research physician. That was what I wanted to do by trade. I got into medical school, had issues getting loans, so I didn't end up going. So that's what stopped me from being a doctor. But that's what I wanted to do initially. And now it's I'm just old enough. I don't really care to go back to school for medicine. You know, if I want to learn something, I can learn it up really easily. You know, I can go and look it up, read about it, learn it, et cetera. I don't need another degree at this point. So I might go back. Who knows? But I doubt it'd be for medicine. But there are many different issues in the world that really need to be fixed. And we could do significantly better on. So our energy needs, our food needs, our our mental health, specifically here in America. You know, everybody wants to talk about gun, gun control. Who's talking about mental health? Yeah. Look at all these different places that have guns. They don't have our issues. You know, we have some issues in America. So it would be really nice if we could get to a point where we're addressing those issues from a logical standpoint and not putting foolish politics into something. You know, people are all, oh, it's left, it's right, blah, blah, blah. Who cares about it anyway? like what's better for for us as a whole and what's better for people or what's better for humanity caring about each other the way that you know you should you see somebody that has mental health issues like they need help you know try to get them help if you know them so you know the the endocannabinoid system i think is a way that a lot of the you know mental health issues could be from a personal standpoint, not a business standpoint, I think that that's how you know, we could really start making progress towards better mental health in America. It's, uh, it's start, isn't very, it? It's very renewable, so we can access it in a large scale, you know, and it's something that really would help more people than not, even if they don't realize that you know, there's something slightly, slightly off within them. It's funny the way that it affects you. Like, I don't know. It's hard to describe, I think, to a certain degree. There are things about yourself that you don't really necessarily realize until you, you know, you have an experience with something, and then you know you'll have a, a bit of a, an epiphany. You know, you oh, I didn't realize that I did that, or I didn't realize that 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 was actually bothering me, or whatever. And uh, you know, my personal experience with using CBD is that I did not realize that, you know, I was a bit more depressed, you know, at times than I thought I was. Wow. And, it was with just taking it, you know, on a random thing that, you know, that it clicked for me that that made an instant difference. And I was like, well.
1: Do you keep track of all this data? Like that you're doing, do you do specific kind of like trials on yourself? Or are you doing that kind of research where you take one, you take one that's like maybe a placebo or something and then take, then for seven days and then take the real CBD and then you ever
2: try? No, I haven't kept track of that with myself as, you know, that would be science. It's, I don't know. To a certain degree, that's not great science. You know, it'd be very uh, opinionated from, you know, me doing it with myself. Now, mind you, all scientists self-experiment. But,
1: yeah, well, yeah. it's a cool it's a kind of a cool test if you don't have a lot of money in a big test group. I know I know different formulators and, and different patients and clients of ours. They've been testing it on themselves, like before they work out or after they work out and they try to they start and they, they tell me they notice the difference, like if they're not taking it. Yes, and it's kind of subtle, and they've told me that sometimes you got to take it for three weeks or four weeks, and the things are subtle. It's like you stop feeling those things that you used to feel, like different little pains and different just little strains and stuff. But it kind of takes a minute for it to really like build up and be this consistent. Like you're, it's kind of like you're nourishing your endocannabinoid system, and it gets to a point of balance, depending on the user, right? How how imbalanced they are.
2: Correct. You know, and that gets into the aspect too of like isolate, broad spectrum, full spectrum, etc. All of our products are full spectrum. Yeah. And tell me some more about your products. So currently I, I make oil. I use MCT, coconut based MCT is our carrier oil. We are going to be, you know, expanding to have another one that's not going to be coconut based so that people who have coconut allergy issues will be able to use them as well. So that's going to be one of like, you know, the, the next line of products coming, but our products are very full spectrum, but um, my method's what's unique about it and in all honesty it's still in the process of like the research of how exactly it's doing it with the actual cannabinoids Mm. Um, so it the process itself will decarboxylate and infuse it into the oil and it does so in a way that keeps all of the cbd in terms of respective percentages but it actually does not pull over quite all of the thc equitably so for some reason, it actually works better for CBD than it works for THC, and I don't know why, to be honest. So that's, that's very fascinating for me. We are going out for our USDA organic certification as well for processing and for growing. Nice. So, Can you yeah. tell
1: me a little bit about the process? You don't have to give away your secrets, but how about a little bit about how, is, how are you pulling the oil from the biomass?
2: I'm trying to think of what I can say that wouldn't be something that that I'd be giving it away because we're not going to patent it. You know, I was was going to patent it, and then I thought that that would be more foolish than not. There are certain places in the world that don't care about U.S. patents, and they will take it. And once it's public knowledge, it's public knowledge. So unless I intentionally leave out something in the patent, then it could easily be stolen by, you know, foreign places, so to speak. And they do that left and right. You know, I ended up, I've spoken with a patent attorney about it and a couple other different things that, you know, I want to patent in terms of like- so you just going to
1: try to keep it under wraps?
2: For now, it's something that until we decide whether or not we're going to utilize it for processing for others, or if we're going to just do, you know, main, you know, like the standard methods for processing for others, then, you know, it'll be kept under wraps. If we start doing it for others, then like, you know, I'll go ahead and let yeah. people know what we're doing. We'll probably it's, up-
1: got, it's got no solvents. Is that the deal? There's no- yeah. No solvents? Nope, no, no. Water?
2: No. Wow. It's pretty neat. That's cool, man. And now I'm intrigued. I'm like, I want to know what's going on. Well, I I took a particular piece of equipment that is not typically used for extraction in the first place, and it's what holds my, you know, my mass. And from there, I've modified that machine. or It's not really a machine. That's just a piece of equipment, so to speak. I've modified that, made it a machine by... By adding a device that I made. So it's a homemade device. And from there the that collective machine is what does my extraction. And it's very unique. So I think it's something that a lot of people would like to have. So we are pondering as to whether or not we want to to sell it. Get in the equipment Uh, business,
1: man. Get into the uh, picks and shovels pieces industry.
2: Potential. I mean, we're, so what we're it, equipment what is, business for other things yeah, as
1: well. What does these products do that other products don't do? What is have you tested it against? Alcohol, ethanol extraction. Have you tried it against supercritical? What are these products known for? I mean, without, I know we can't talk about claims, but you're mainly just making an oil, right? You're making a pure oil. Anything yeah. else?
2: Yeah. So uh, I also make our Maggie's gift. So. The products that we make, we call it Maggie's Gift as our house brand, so to speak. It's by Maggie Farm. So we make a Pain 300 and a Repair 300. They're both topical balms. So oh, okay. more towards like, you know, a relief, so to speak. You know, people use it on after workouts on their, their muscles or whatever, you know, wherever they feel like is, you know, a touch on the achy side that they might want to, you know, step up a bit from, you know, personal perspective, not from company perspective. And then the repair is, you know, it's, again, tricky wording on trying to keep it from stating medical claims. It's more geared towards personal story, not business story. Personal story. I had a friend of mine, her son has eczema. And, you know, she was telling me about the issues that she had been having with trying things that are supposed to work for eczema that aren't working Mm. and she wanted something that would work, that was also a natural base. She doesn't like chemicals or anything like that. Her son was vaccine injured, unfortunately as an infant, and ended up with dyspraxia from it. So, you know, he's got some sensitivities that she's very aware of. And, you know, she's very picky in terms of what she gives her son at this point. His first, like, before he ever left the hospital, he got two or three uh, heavy vaccine shots. You know, before he even left the hospital. You're you know, there's supposed to be spanned out over six months for an adult between three of them. So he got a lot of vaccinations very quickly that he should not have gotten. Mm. So anyway, she's talking to me about it and I, you know, decided I'd go ahead and look into what would be something what works for, for eczema. So looking at all the different various natural things, this, that, the third, et cetera, et cetera. Uh, came up with formulations, tried a couple of different things and settled on one that seemed to have some some results for her in a personal standpoint and then you know we went ahead and moved on to making i personally took that formulation and said okay this is good formulation you know this could be a good product for something for you know skin repair or whatever you know yeah. and then from a business perspective you know saw you know a good topical bomb formulation and decided to go ahead and put it into products and let people buy it and choose how to use it how they how they see fit. So you got oil you got topical, what else? That's all we have at the moment. It's just those, we have um, ones that are the upcoming ones. You know, I'll talk about some of those. So we have a, a two-in-one coming out on massage and uh, lubrication. Oh, cool. Uh, so like, you know, a massage lube type thing. So that'll be coming out around the beginning of the year, also around the same time. We're gonna start having some solventless, smokable products. Wow, that's what that's what I like. Yeah, we're gonna be doing some some live products. So, cool, man. Um, you know, that, yeah. I'm pretty excited about that. So you're gonna um, freeze
1: it? And you're gonna flash freeze it right when you harvest it? And yeah. That's what we that's what we do in Colorado. We flash yeah. freeze it less than less than like half an hour after it's cut. Yeah. And then we make ice hash, and then we yeah. mechanically separate it. Yep. Yeah. Yep. Yeah, we'll be doing that. Sweet. Yeah. That's a great, that's great, man. That's cool. That's why yeah, I, I always, stuff. I always ask people like, what's going to make you, what's going to make you stand out? There's, there's thousands of people starting brands, hundreds of brands every day, probably. And what's going to make you unique and what's going to make you stand out. And there's not really many people doing that. What I call like an artisanal extract, because there's really no way to scale that right now and still keep the quality of terpene and extraction.
2: Which, that's one of the things that we're working on. Scalability. Yeah. You know, initially it'll be for just us, but I've got some ideas and some, you know, some machines that need to be tested. And if they work, then I will be hey smiling mom, quite bigly. Hey because mom, we can talk, about, we can
1: talk about a Colorado license for our THC facility
2: that my family. Oh, yeah. Because yeah, if if that machine works like it needs to, then we will be selling that. And it's yeah. basically, you know, a very scaled version of boutique artisanal type of. Wow. You know, solventless
1: products. I love it. Cause I'm always thinking about the masses and, you know, I, I, I see when I like go to the store, I see the kind of CBD it's like from stalks and stems and it's yeah. not, it's not like the oils that you get from the flower. And, and, and so I, I know that the masses are out there. They're like looking at all these, everything says CBD on, and it's just hard to, it's just hard to kind of figure out where's the meta what's the real medicine, which one's activated, like which ones really has, it's going to do something. And, yeah. So that's cool. This is the kind of medicine that that works. And I've been a patient. I've been a grower, and I've done you know like art, artisanal style extractions and steam distillation. And but I'm also a patient. I've got Hashimoto's hypothyroid, and I've got I got chronic inflammation. And the best you know people try to tell me to eat it and put it on my skin and stuff. And I've I've used cannabis every single different which way. But the best effect for my kind of overall balance is these solventless resins and like vaping. Vaping in at low temperatures. And for me, it's like, it's amazing. Um, like it's like, amazing. and I'm ready to rock like all day long. I'll work 12 hour days if I have that medicine. It just keeps me. So I'm always, people are always asking me, and I'm like, I'm sorry, you probably can't get it in your neighborhood yet, <laughs> you know, and come out to yeah. Colorado. Then I have people, I have uh, students and clients that come out here, and I show them, and they're like, oh my gosh, this is, we've been on the East Coast trying, just using whatever we got. <laughs> I'm like, yeah, it's a whole new world. Like once you wait, wait in the next few years, like all this new stuff is coming out and this, these terpenes and flavonoids and all this stuff working together is just amazing.
2: Yeah. You know, the, the entourage effect is real. You know, it it wasn't even like that long ago discovered for the most part. I mean, yeah. Even the endocannabinoid system wasn't that long ago discovered. It was like 92, I think, you know, and, right. and that's one of the things about, you know, America and the way that we've allowed, only very certain cannabis studies to be done in, in the states, you know, over the years and such. So, if you want to get like some real cannabis research papers and knowledge, you know, people need to look at Israel. Actually, yeah, uh, Israel is going to have the most up to date and unbiased research papers. You know, if you look at all the research papers coming out of the U.S. over the last twenty years on it, the majority of them are all from a negative standpoint from the very yeah. get. and like, all yeah, paid for by also. the lobbyists. Oh yeah, (laughs) all paid for. Yeah, like the 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 fight against it's foolish. You know, the amount of money that we spend against it is foolish. You know, it's there's a whole soapbox moment associated with that as well. You know, it gets it's a very deep and entangled system of crap. There's just no no two ways around it. Now that that I do see that changing federally in the next couple of years, I could see that changing federally within the next year, for that matter. I think it's at a point now, since you know more than half the country has at least medical. Yeah. More than half the country now. That's overwhelming.
1: Yeah, the momentum is just too strong. They can't put
2: it put the genie back in the bottle. Well, people like money. Yeah. <laughs> Specifically, the people who want lobbyists and stuff like money, and when they are now seeing what like states like Colorado have done, it's like man, the amount of money that it's generated for Colorado as a state is impressive. It's you know, like yeah. the state's really really benefiting from it i know unfortunately for the you know original local people real estate went up like crazy so yeah, that's one thing that states need to do a better job mitigating in terms of if they can so to speak you know so that there's not some high price you know increase of housing and then locals have issues
1: yeah uh, everybody, everybody flocked to colorado the jobs And, you know, for the cannabis industry, then there's like the medical immigrants that are trying to get, trying to get the medicine and, you know, get it to their kids, get it to their family members. And then, man, this state is booming and it's beautiful. Like all of our parks are pristine, money's coming into the school systems. And so it's just like
2: people, all sorts of stuff.
1: Yeah. There's tons of jobs here. So it's, uh, it's, it's like kind of inevitable that the real estate's going to go up, (laughs)
2: Yeah, but I think that it happened a little quickly for for yeah, a yeah. lot of us Because I've you know I've got quite a few friends out in the area, and they were for a few of them they, they ended up on some hard times because of it. Where you yep. know, like initially when they first moved out there, like you know this was back in say like it was like two thousand four or five that one of my one of my first friends moved out there. You know, and then real estate wasn't that bad. Yep. And then you know he was struggling with finding a job you know, his, his degree was in like parks and rec management. So like, you know, it's not really, it's a niche field that doesn't pay great in the first place. So, you know, he didn't, he wasn't really making a killing for like as soon as that cost of living went up, it was like, Oh crap. rents Like my you landlord, know, you, just better my to, on me. you better like, get into the cannabis industry. <laughs> yeah. Oh, he wants, he wants in the cannabis industry like crazy. He really does. He lives down in Colorado Springs. I'm going to see him uh, at the end of the month here. He's getting married.
1: Well, it's cool. Talk to me about or just tell me, you know, my, a lot of my listeners are interested in getting into the industry, the hemp or the cannabis side. What kind of advice do you have? And, you know, and what, what should they expect when they're trying to get into the business?
2: Expect a lot of, yeah, just adversity. You know, you have to be strong-willed. The amount of shutdown that you'll have left and right from things, just trying to, to advertise and market is astoundingly frustrating. I mean, it is it is frustrating, you know. Like just trying to get your products on, say, something like, you know, Google Shopping, because you'll see, you know, you you'll find CBD products on Google Shopping. Try to get your own products on it. Watch how hard it is. Yeah, it is incredibly hard to do. You can remove CBD from all of your labeling, all of your hashtags, et cetera, et cetera, still won't. Like, there's there's certain aspects that you have to, and that's another frustrating thing is that you know you'll see companies that are clearly they seem to be very clearly mislabeling intentionally so that the products can be on there where it'll yeah. say, you know, hemp seed oil, but it'll still have a thousand milligram on it or something like that. Yeah, they are. You know yeah. what I mean? And there's just, there's a lot of, of shadiness going on. I don't like, you know, I don't, I don't want to do that for us, you know? So I call it ours. What it is. It's a, a hemp flower solventless oil. You know, if you go to our website and our product descriptions, you know we have our lab results in there where you can look at our lab results where we use cansafe for our lab results on and uh we also have used uh, hill as well you know from iso accredited labs and exactly. you, know, you can see what the cannabinoids are in there so yeah. you can see that they are the thc cbd cbn you know all, all of the various cannabinoids you know it doesn't have quite all of them but ours is full spectrum and it's got quite yeah. a few So tell me where, tell everybody, where can we find your stuff?
1: Where do we we look for you? Where do we follow you on social media?
2: So you can find us at uh, maggiefarm.com. And then we're also in quite a few stores nationwide. We're with a, a pretty big distributor. We got on only a few months after being, you know, being in business, had some meetings and showed them our stuff. They were a big fan of it to begin with. You know, you can smell our oil and tell that it's made from flour, that it's a bit different from the other stuff. And the fact that we are different, you know, we're not a distillate based, you know, oil, which is the majority of companies and, and I'm not knocking them, you know, we'll probably end up making distillate based oils, at least for other people, maybe even for like a sister brand of ourselves. Cause some people don't want to, you know, to have chlorophyll, which ours does have chlorophyll. Okay. I think that for me personally, I find that to be one of the medical benefits that I like and what I take. For sure. So, you know, I find it to. I really want a full spectrum when I'm using it. Personally, so I, I keep that to the the line of of our brand currently for Maggie's gift, just because I feel like that's the most whole and natural, you know. Yeah, I like it, man. Can't wait to
1: try it. You have to, you guys. Will have to send me a bottle for testing. And yeah, absolutely. And that's cool. We've you know on the marketing thing, we've really kind of hacked the code there, and we figured out how to build massive audiences on social media, yeah. and not try to not try to be a CBD brand and then really pull all the leads off of social onto email and other other channels where we can then show them our offer on channels that we own. So right. we've, been, we've been able to acquire 500 customers in three days, 300 right. customers, you know, overnight for somebody else, just by building these, you know, really delivering lots of content, valuable content, connecting with our audience, and then delivering up solutions, asking that they'd be interested in looking at some of that stuff. And I think we're finding now is, you know, we've been, shoved products down our throat for the past 30 years. And I think we're seeing trends of people or, or they want to connect with real people. And then, you know, the products is kind of like, it's always the next step. It's the next thing to talk about, you know, after the conversation and what are you going through? Or, or here's a story about this child that had this and, oh yeah, by the way, you know, they use full, full spectrum extracts. So that's always been something that's worked for us. And we get a lot of companies coming at us, asking us, you know, how do you do it? How do you do it? And it's a little bit counterintuitive. You don't push your CBD out there. And I've been in the cannabis space for a long time, so you never really kind of wave your flag, right? But the network and the audience, the network effect and stuff and the education, outreach and entertainment and news, the back end of it is like, they inquired to me, they ask me like, what's the best products? I know you guys are interviewing all these people, where are the best products? Yeah. So you know, engaging an audience. You know, different ways of marketing. You know, there's there's a lot of barriers: banking, merchant processing accounts. You know, manufacturing. It's a lot of tough, a lot of things in our industry. That's you know, it's kind of it's cool. There's a barrier of entry. A lot of people don't come in here, and there's guys you can see really quickly. There's guys coming in with big briefcases full of money, looking to cash in, looking to buy, acquire, build, sell off, all this kind of stuff, and then and then, but the majority is people with a passion like yourself to have a story. That's really the majority of our industry. Now we hear about, you know, these big companies, Canopy and Aurora and Acreage and all these big companies making big moves and doing what Wall Street does, you know, really um, pumping up their stocks in order to sell it all off. But those guys are the minority. The more and more people that I go across and my whole team, I've got a list of of all the CBD brands in America. And I've got a list of all the retail stores that open and I just keep adding to it. And more and more, it's just guys like you and me who had an experience with this plant and a real passion and want to get out there and help people and change the way things are, you know, change the way big pharma has been selling us all these opioids and pills and, you know, one pill for this and then another pill for that and then another pill to deal with those side effects. And, you know, and, yeah. so, and so it's really, it's a passion movement. So it's been awesome to hear, hear your story, how you're doing things. You're kind of, you're really unique. In the industry, you know, you're the solventless. That's what kind of what I do in the, THC, in the THC side. We grow with Korean natural farming, no fertilizers. We make all the inputs ourselves out of microbiology in the forest and down by the river. Or we use fish and we, you know, we mix fish with sugar and it breaks it down into an amino acid. And so we make our own inputs there. We build the soil. It's no till. We're not tilling the soil. It's just a growing like microbiome. The whole soil is like one big living yeah. And then we harvest the we harvest the cannabis and we freeze it immediately we cryo freeze it and then we take you know zero parts per million water uh, reverse osmosis distilled water and we pull the resin and all the cannabinoids off with ice and that cold water and then we we sift that right with silk screens and then we put it into a freeze. vacuum freezer overnight and vacuum freeze it then we pull it out and it looks like white sand. I mean it's frozen and it's like sand. And then we put that in a we press that in a mechanical press from the guys at purepressure.com. Yeah. So so that's kind of how we do things. And I've been kind of in the organic growing and I had a a skincare and herbal business and I used to distill essential oils in Northern California. I spent a lot of time in Humboldt. So my whole growing my whole growing up in the industry was around older hippies, Vietnam vets, the guys that were really pioneered the industry were my teachers. And until I came out to Denver in 2009 and started one of the first legal licensed dispensary cultivation and distribution companies in the world, we got our license and I found out about big business and I found out about retail and I'd been up in the mountains, you know, doing these big cultivation and processing projects with people up there in the medical side of things and getting into retail and big business and all the real estate stuff. That was like a big shock to me. So I'm really, you know, I'm just really passionate about telling stories like yours, getting it out there to the world, to all my listeners, letting people know like there is a lot of room in this industry. Don't be scared of these big, huge companies. People value other people and their stories and what they're doing with their companies. So I think it's really cool what you guys at McGu are doing. So you guys can find it. What's the website again?
2: MaguFarm.com. M-A-G-U-F-A-R-M.com.
1: Cool. And any handles, Facebook, Instagram, people should follow you.
2: Yeah, we're on uh, Facebook, Instagram, Twitter. I believe Facebook is at MaguFarm.co, and then uh, Twitter and Instagram, you can just you know Magu Farm, and we come up pretty quickly.
1: Awesome. Well, you've heard it, and today has been a cool convo with Brad Dolans of Magu Farm. Man, he's got some cool products. You guys go check it out at his website, and if you want the cheat sheet, the show notes. Go ahead you just look down below here. There'll be a place where you can click, download, and I'll give you all the cheat sheets, all the links that we talked about today. You can go and check out this guy's products. They look pretty awesome. And hopefully, Brad, you're going to send me a couple bottles to check out.
2: Absolutely. And Absolutely. Uh, we can share that with our audience and, you know, hopefully get you some more. Hey, I'd uh, be more than happy to send you some stuff. Uh, all right. happy to send you some stuff. Local smoke shops would probably be a decent place for someone to look for us if they want to try to find us locally. Are you not, in Colorado? Yeah, like just any local smoke shop because our distributor service is like 5,000 nationwide. So the odds of a local one having it or having access to it from their, you know, the distributor would probably be pretty high. And then we also, you know, we keystone it for local businesses and stuff like that ourselves. So. Awesome. There you heard it, guys. You can find
1: Maggie Farms at Smoke Shop near you. This has been James Brinkerhoff, Jr. We've had an awesome time today on the Hemp Revolution podcast, and we will see you in the next episode we we'll
0: Thanks for listening to another Rockstar episode of the Hemp Revolution Podcast. I'm your host, Sonia Gomez, and just for you, we took notes on this episode along with the links and other resources mentioned inside of today's show. Get them for free right now by going to TheEmeraldCircle.com. Now, if you want more on this, please subscribe to the show on Apple Podcast or wherever you like to listen, and you will be automatically entered in to our... giveaway where you can get swag bags, all kinds of cool gifts and discounts from our guests, and exclusive offers that are only mentioned right here in the Hemp Revolution podcast. I can't wait for you to share this with your friends. With your help, we've been able to impact millions of people's lives around the world with the truth about hemp and cannabis. And we know that you love us so much that you're gonna leave a review and rate us right now on your favorite platform to absorb content just like this. Now, we challenge you to dream big and love the life that you live. Thanks so much and we hope to see you on our next episode of the hemp revolution podcast ciao for now